Hey church, wanna welcome you to Church Online. Uh, Really glad you're joining us. Uh, This is going to be uh, the last week of our Not Afraid series. And uh, next Sunday, the 31st, we're gonna be starting a new series uh, called Summer of Love. And we're gonna be examining the issue of love uh, uh, from a variety of biblical authors, Moses, Paul, Peter, John, Jesus, and uh, just kind of see what they had to teach us about love. I'm really looking forward to it. We'll, we'll be in that for the whole summer. So I uh, look forward to seeing you uh, um, next Sunday uh, online uh, to, to go uh, to start that sermon series. So uh, again, I love you, miss you. Look, looking forward to worshiping with you soon. And you have no idea how much I'm looking forward to seeing you guys. So let's go ahead and pray and then we'll finish up this series. All right, Heavenly Father, we thank you again uh, for Jesus. We thank you for his uh, grace. We thank you for his power uh, made perfect in our weakness. It is in his name that we pray, amen. Almost all of us have been spending uh, more time at home. And so I wanted to ask you, if you're with people, you can kind of dialogue about this together. If not, you can just kind of, if you're home alone, you can kind of think about it. But what are some of your favorite uh, things that you've experienced since you've been home. For instance, what is your favorite TV show uh, that maybe you've gotten addicted to uh, over, over this stay-at-home order? Be honest, if it's Tiger King, you're in a safe place. You can, you can admit that if, if it was Tiger King. Uh, what about your favorite snack? I, for instance, almost always lean towards the sweet. So my favorite snack is almost always gonna be something sweet. What about your favorite game to play or your favorite moment, uh, your favorite... Uh, thing that you've experienced uh, since you've been staying home. I've I've had uh, a habit now in ministry that goes back uh, several years of when I know someone is going through something kind of scary or overwhelming or hard. One of the very first things that I do is uh, I diagnose that they read what has become my favorite passage of scripture, Romans 8. Uh, I've done this a whole bunch of times. Whenever I'm talking to someone, like, man, I'm scared, I'm anxious, I, I'm not sure how this is gonna turn out. One of the things I always say is, uh, go read Romans 8. It, it is so encouraging. So what I wanted to do on the last week of this series, I made reference to a few of these passages over the course of, of time, but I wanna just kind of study Romans 8 together uh, on, the, on the last week and, and just be encouraged. Uh, be encouraged and and maybe leave uh, this sermon maybe a little less afraid than we entered it with. So let's go ahead and start in verse 11, Romans 8, 11. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the spirit who lives in you. Paul's first point that he wants us to see is that the spirit gives us life. It was 2,000 years ago that Jesus ticked off some religious leaders and teachers of his day. They orchestrated a series of really sham court trials against him. They sentenced him to death. He hung on a cross. They put him in a grave, and he was dead. And three days later, the Holy Spirit breathed life into him, and he lived again, and he walked around and spent time with some 5,000 followers. And here's the deal. The spirit that rose Jesus from the dead is alive and at work in you. Think about that for just a moment. 
because that is a game changer. It is absolutely amazing because just like I I told the story of how Jesus died, someday your ancestors are going to tell the story of how you died, and it probably won't be they hung from a cross like, like the story I told about Jesus, but it will be they fill in the blank. This is what happened to them. This is how they died, and I want you to know because of the Holy Spirit, because of the Spirit of Christ living inside of you, that won't be the end of the story for you. Just like Jesus was raised, you will be raised to life. And Paul goes on to say in another text, what was a very mortal body here? These are mortal bodies. They they are, are given to decay. What was a mortal body will be replaced by an immortal one, free of cancer, free of strokes, free of disease, free of pandemics, and we will live forever with him in paradise. We tend to live in a lot of fear and a lot of anxiety about our death. And I understand that because anytime something's uncertain and unknown, there's always a certain amount of anxiety uh, around that issue. But the spirit reminds us today that we don't need to be afraid. Just like Jesus was raised from the dead, we will be raised. Just like he lives for, for, uh, for all eternity, we will live for all eternity. Look at verse 15. Next point, you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you receive a spirit of sonship. And by him, we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Paul goes on to say that the spirit teaches us we are God's kids. And that because we are Christians, because we have the spirit, we are able to cry out to God and call him Abba, which literally can be translated as dad or daddy, that we are his spiritual children. Fred Craddock, a famous preacher, tells the story of being on vacation in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. And he went to this little diner to have breakfast and uh, a, a man, a stranger, approached them while he, he was having breakfast, seeing his family, and uh, just said, hey, are you guys on vacation? And Fred Credit kind of curtly said, yeah, we're, we're on vacation, hoping the man would just go away. And the man went on to say, well, what do you do for a living? And Fred said, oh, I had the perfect answer, an absolute conversation killer. And he said, oh, I'm a preacher. Always ends the conversation. And the man said, oh, you're a preacher. Well, I've got a story to tell you from my life, and, and feel free to use this in a sermon. And they began, the man began to talk about how he grew up in a small town in Tennessee, And he never knew who his dad was. Uh, He was never told. And some of the boys around town found out that he didn't know who his dad was. And they started to make fun of this boy, calling him names, speculating who his dad might be. And so the boy just grew up avoiding most people and just keeping to himself. One day he heard about the new church in town hiring a new preacher and the boy had never been to church. He'd never been invited to church. And so he decided he would go. And from the first day he went, he loved this preacher. He started going every week. Most Sundays, he would just kind of slip out at the end of service so he wouldn't have to talk to anybody and interact with anyone. But on one particular Sunday, he wasn't able to slip out and the pastor put his hand on the boy's shoulder and he said, who are you, young man? And the young boy, he didn't really say anything. And the pastor went on and said, whose son are you? And the boy began to shake from his head to his toes because he didn't know how to answer that question. He didn't know whose boy he was. And the pastor finally said, oh, I know you. I recognize you. You are God's child. You are God's son. 
And the boy looked at Fred Craddock with tears in his eyes, and he said, those words changed my life. Those words made all the difference. And then he walked out of the room. Waitress came running up to Fred Craddock, and he said, do you have any idea who that man was? She said, that's Ben Hooper, two-term governor of the state of Tennessee. Here's my question for you, church. Do you know who you are? For the purpose of this pandemic, work has been classified and workers have been classified as essential and non-essential, but the spirit doesn't work that way. And the spirit testifies this morning that you are God's child. You are his loved son, his loved daughter. You are his And if you're like most people, you have had a line of people that are ready to tell you who you are, that you are a liar or you are a loser or you are the one no one can count on. And you've probably had people your whole life ready to tell you who you are. Today, Paul in Romans 8 and the Spirit stands ready to testify to this truth, wants to communicate to you, you are God's child. You are his son. You are his daughter. And here's the challenge for you, and here's the challenge for me. Whose voice are you going to listen to? Are you going to listen to your uncle's voice? Are you going to listen to your dad's voice, your mom's voice? Or are you going to listen to the spirit of Jesus Christ living inside of you, dwelling inside of you, communicating to you, shouting to you, at times even whispering to you that you are a child of God? Because here's what I know. This matters. This matters. You will make decisions uh, for the rest of your life out of the overflow of who you believe you are. If you believe you are a loser, you will make decisions out of that overflow. If you believe you are God's son or you are God's daughter, you will make decisions out of the overflow of that truth. Whose voice are you going to listen to? Verse 26 In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. Paul reveals this kind of amazing truth that the Spirit intercedes our prayers. You have to understand, Paul has just finished up a passage of scripture where he is talking about the sufferings of this world and how things don't function the way that they should. And there's hardship and groaning and pain. And he comes out of that very transparently and says, man, sometimes we don't know how to pray. Sometimes in this world, the pain is deep enough and the pain is strong enough that we just don't even know what we should be asking God for. And he says, in those moments when we don't know how to pray and we don't know what to pray, the spirit steps in and prays to God on our behalf. I remember uh, listening to a pastor talk about going to visit someone in the hospital. Someone from his church uh, was dying and he went in and visited for a little while. And at the end of the conversation, he said, hey, can I pray for you? And she said, absolutely. And he prayed and he stood up, was getting ready to leave. And he just says, man, feeling the weight of the moment. He said, I'm sorry, I couldn't do more for you. And she grabbed him by the arm and she said, what are you talking about? You are taking my situation before an almighty and powerful God. You have done everything for me. This passage blows me away 
Because what it teaches me is that in those painful moments of life, maybe you're experiencing one today, when I don't know what to pray and I don't know what to ask for, the Spirit intercedes and brings my situation to an almighty and powerful God. He goes to the Father and says, hey, Steve doesn't know it, but what he really needs is hope. Cheryl doesn't know it, but what she really needs is peace. Jim doesn't know it, but what he really needs is love. Sue doesn't know it, but what she really needs is help. Father God, the Spirit groans, would you intercede in this situation? And God has designed a plan God has arranged a plan for me to have my greatest needs brought to him, even when I don't know what my greatest needs are, and even when I don't know how or what to pray. See, there's someone praying for you. And I don't just mean other people, although certainly other people are praying for you. I can assure you the leadership of our church is praying for you. Other people are praying for you, um, and, and hopefully we're all praying for each other, but, the, but what I'm talking about is the Spirit, that the Holy Spirit is bringing your situation your needs, even when you don't even know what they are, to an almighty God that can do something, a God who can change your circumstances, a God who can do something, who can alter your situation, who can meet your greatest needs. And here's what I hope. I hope that truth just settles into your heart and your mind today. Verse 28. And in other words, because of the Spirit, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son, that we might be the firstborn among many brothers. God has this mission he's trying to do right now in you and in the world. And here's what it is. He's trying to conform us into the likeness of his son. He, but this is part of the Spirit's work in, in us, is that he's trying to make us look more and more like Jesus, which is awesome because Jesus was, is, and will always be awesome. But when Jesus walked around on this earth 2,000 years ago, he was an incredible human being. He loved people like no one else. He showed grace like no one else. He had a peace about him that nobody could understand. He had a hope that others didn't get. And, and Paul makes what seems like a ridiculous statement. He says that in all things, and through all things, God can do this work of conforming you to look more and more like Jesus. So there's this kind of big idea that this is the work God is trying to do. He's trying to conform you into the likeness of his son who was and is awesome. He's trying to give you the peace of Christ, the hope of Christ, and the joy of Christ. That's what he's trying to do. He's trying to conform you into the likeness of Jesus. And you say, well, what about the difficult times? And what about the trying times? And what about the painful times? And he says, no, he can... Uh, he, he can use all things. He can bring all things to bring about the good that he wants to do in you and through you. So yes, he can use a pandemic to form you into the likeness of his son. He can use a bad economy to form you into the likeness of his son. He can use a stay-at-home order to conform you into the likeness of his son. And let's just be real clear on what this text is and is not saying, all right? What it is not saying is that all things are good. All things are not good, all right? All things are not good, but God works all things for good. All right? Those are two very different statements. All things are not good, but God works all things for good. And so if you'll stay close to him, this is how the spirit works. 
is we, we stay close to Jesus. If we will stay close to him, the spirit will use all things to change us and transform us and make us new and make us look more and more like Jesus. This is why our mission statement at Northwest is we are a growing family journeying together to be more like Jesus. Because we believe this is the Spirit's work in our church, is that he is conforming us and shaping us into the likeness of the Son. And we want to be a people that embody the peace of Christ, the joy of Christ, the hope of Christ, the mission of Christ. We want to be like Jesus, but it's the Spirit's work in us that is going to do that. And he can use, he's not flummoxed by any, by any situation. He can use all things to make us more and more like Jesus. So these are just a few of the truths in Romans 8. And then we come to the crown jewel, right? Toward the end of the, the chapter in verse 31, it is the crown jewel of Romans 8. Let me read it to you. He says, what then shall we say in response to these things? What is the conclusion? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up, uh, gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against, them who, against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God. He is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who's loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any other powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That's Romans 8, 31 uh, through 39. And if you want to pause the video for a minute and go back and read that again and then read it again and again, if that doesn't give joy to your soul, I don't know what will. That is the crown jewel of the chapter. So he says, based on all of these truths that I have been sharing with you, Paul wants to end with a couple of questions. First question, who's going to condemn you? Right? In other words, who is going to stand against you? Who's going to bring a charge against you? Who's going to say that you are defined by your sins, that you're not God's child, or you're no good? When the spirit of the living Christ is living inside of you, screaming to you and shouting to you, you are God's son. You are God's daughter. You belong to him. You are not who they say you are. So he says, who can override that? No one can. Question number two, who's going to separate you or what is going to separate you from God's love? Look at verse 35. Will trouble? No. Will hardship? No. Will persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword, stay-at-home orders, pandemics, viruses? No. He's saying that in this broken world, there will be some troubles. And those troubles can take some things away from you. 
There is no doubt those troubles can take some things from you. They can take away some security. They can, they can maybe take away a job, some mobility if it's a health thing. Hardship and trouble can take some things away from you, but there is something that nothing can, can, can be taken. Uh, the, 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 there is one thing that it, it cannot take from you. There's probably more than one thing, but one thing that Paul talks about, and that is the love of God. Nothing can separate you from the love of God because the spirit of God is filling our hearts with that love all the time. So often I'll say to people going through a hard time that this tragedy might take some things from you, but it cannot take the most important thing from you. And that's God's love. So the recommendation that I think Paul would have and that I want to share too is hold on to God's love as much as you can. Bask in it. Meditate on it. Read passages about his love and his grace because nothing can separate you from that. His last question is because of the spirit of God, who is going to defeat you? In all things, we are more than conquerors through him who has loved us. The Spirit has a history of doing this sort of thing, that when Jesus had died and was on the cross and laid in the tomb, the forces of this world thought, man, Friday happened and it is over, it is done. But three days later on Sunday, the Spirit kicked in and raised Jesus victorious. This is what he's done, and this is what he has done so many times since then, is that Friday, it seems like all is lost, but Sunday always comes. Resurrection always comes. Victory always comes. So cancer feels like Friday. Divorce feels like Friday. Suffering feels like Friday. Pandemic feels like Friday. But we know that Sunday always comes. Resurrection always comes. New life always comes comes. So we stand in confidence. We stand in confidence today, despite all the uncertainty around us, despite all the things that we don't know, despite all the confusion, as followers of Jesus, we stand in confidence because we know that God can work all things for good. We stand in confidence because of that. God can work all things for good. We stand in confidence because we know nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Nothing can separate us. Hardship cannot. They're, they can take some things to be sure, but they cannot take the love of God. Nothing can separate us from that. And we stand in confidence because we know it might be Friday right now, but Sunday's coming. Our resurrection moment always comes. Victory always comes. It might not always look like we think it's gonna look. It might be different. It might be down the road a little bit, but Sunday always comes. So we stand and confidence. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, as we end this series today, we want to stand in confidence in you. We want to stand in confidence in you, knowing that you work all things for good. Cross that we're about to remember is an example of that, that nothing can separate us from your love. That hardship, difficulty, pandemic, painful things, nothing can separate us. That's the thing that we have that no one can take. And Friday may be present, but Sunday always comes. So may we stand confident in you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to receive communion uh, together. If you, if you have some juice and some crackers at home, the cracker reminds us of Jesus' body. Juice reminds us of his blood. And it's an opportunity for us to kind of bask in the love of God, in the grace of God and to be reminded that we have this confidence because of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, 
we have confidence. I love you. Happy Memorial Day, by the way. Uh, I love you. I look forward to seeing you soon. And uh, we'll be starting a new series next Sunday. So I I can't wait to share with you uh, about what the biblical writers have to say about love. Uh, God bless, and I will see you soon.